On this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, we are speaking with Jeff Hurley, Kansas City Parks Ranger Supervisor. Hurley will be discussing the current state of the Park Ranger program, what the goal and operation of the program will look like, who he has on board right now, and how the Rangers will work with the community to solve various issues, including working with the transient community. We are here today with Jeff Hurley, Park Ranger Supervisor. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Absolutely. We're also um, here with Michael Bushnell. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. Of course. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get a little bit of an update of the Park Ranger program. The last time we talked to you was in January. And so kind of where you are, what's going on, if you've hired anybody, um, and really what the program looks like today. So I'll also link our previous podcast to this episode so people can kind of get that background information. Well, let's start off with talking about where you are in the process of the Park Ranger program. Have you hired anyone? Really what that looks like today. Sure. So thank you for again for having me. I think in January when we last talked, um, we had a plan put together on how to go ahead and implement the Park Ranger program. So for the first, I don't know, four or five months of the year, we were getting that plan placed into action. I think finally it was last week in May, maybe the first week in June, we began a, our first hiring process. That first hiring process actually netted us three individuals that we have hired as Rangers. Once we identified them and made job offers then we had to you know do the wait for two-week notices and other jobs and things like that so it took a while for them to finally kind of get here but I have two of them that are almost completed with their training program that I came up with and then I have a third one that started two or three weeks later than the other two so he's about halfway through his training program but the first two are commissioned and licensed and they're uniformed and, and out checking the parks what did their training look like? You said you kind of came up with that mm-hmm. curriculum. What does that look like? Well, the big thing was when I uh, started the hiring process, I really wanted to attract people that had experience in either law enforcement or had a security background. Actually, I was able to do that. I, I have one guy that's a um, retired federal law enforcement officer and another one who he's probably in his mid-30s and He went to a police academy in Kansas and has experience on the Kansas side in law enforcement and security. And the third one that is kind of just a little bit behind the other two, he has a a security and VIP protection background. I was very happy and what I thought was successful in kind of attracting you know, the people that had a a background and previous training. But I spent the last several months preparing policies and procedures that I wanted them to follow while they're in the parks and also giving them Parks Department priorities. And so that's the kind of thing we've been training on, just to make sure they know how we want them to handle certain situations that they might come across in the park. Also, we had to get them ready. I don't know if you remember, but they're commissioned private officers with the police department. So we had to make sure that they could pass that licensing process. So that was part of the training as well. Real quick, Jeff, the last time that you were here, you had said that you're going to be looking at a time frame of four to eight weeks after that January, let's just say January 15th is the last time when we talked, and the approval by the city could take four to eight weeks. You had indicated that your first hire didn't take place until the end of May. Was there a reason for that delay? Was that kind of admin? Well, I I just think it was admin. You know, uh, we had to pretty much everything that 
I put together had to be passed through the law department with the city. That process can sometimes take a little longer than you would hope. We wanted to make sure we were putting something together that was lawful, would be sustainable. I think it took longer than we would have preferred, but that's okay. We've got a good program put together. We're moving forward. And you've got three officers hired. Two Are they all three in the field right now? Or are they in training? or? Well, they, they are in the field. I would still consider the first two training just because I just want to make sure that they know what we're looking for and also I want to make sure they can do the job safely keep themselves safe and keep people they come in contact with safe and that deals with how they interact with people they come across that may be injured or sick and things like that so we just want to make sure that they're going to be safe doing their job. And you originally said you were hiring five correct so you're still looking for two more? Well, I will have another hiring process and try to get two more. And actually, it kind of worked out well. The first process got me three. I'm not sure I could have kind of handled five. So actually, it's kind of worked out. But here in the near future, I will be putting together another hiring process and trying to get two more individuals. Yeah. Okay. So are the first two that you said that are pretty much, what did you say, certified? Mm-hmm. Um, are they out patrolling? Are they out in the parks right now? Or kind of what are they doing right now? Well, they're, they are out in the parks uh, patrolling and doing the thing that park rangers would do. I'm out there with them for the most part. I'm spending a lot of time with the third one. So the other two, they are, I would say, 95% ready, but I still follow up on what they're doing and keep track on where they're going. If I send them somewhere, I will usually try to go with them just to make sure you know we're handling it in an appropriate fashion. But they are out and going. Have they been in the northeast area at the Kessler Park or Concourse at all? Absolutely. We, we have a lot of parks, so I, I can't guarantee we're going to be in every park every day. But we do have areas that we consider priorities. And Kessler Park, Concourse, Bud Park are parks that you know we try to set as a priority. And there's others in the city that we do the same thing with. And then anytime we get information on something going on in another park, then we do that as well. I know you have 221 parks, so I am curious. I think you mentioned it last time about how you're dividing up their patrol areas, Mm -hmm. Um, but can you kind of talk a little bit about that again? Um, I know maybe north and south, or show us what that looks like. Sure. Well, uh, the Parks Department itself is divided into three maintenance districts, north, central, and south. We're going to have to divide the city basically in half, uh, north and south. And where exactly that is, I'm, we're still kind of working on that. I wanted to get the guys out there and see kind of what the action level was and kind of try to decide where the dividing line might be. But we've talked about 23rd Street. We've talked about 31st Street. So somewhere in that area will be our dividing line between north and south. One of the things, Jeff, that you talked about when you were here before is kind of a protocol for reaching your guys or reaching your officers, I should say. You had indicated that 311 would be that particular protocol. Is that still current or is there another way that the general public, if they see a need that's more acute, that they can reach you? Sure. Uh, 311 is an acceptable method to do that. Uh, We also, Parks and Rec has a a main phone number. Monday through Friday is answered by a receptionist. In that time frame, I do get those calls forwarded to me or the information forwarded to me. We have a ranger number that we've put in place, but I'm not quite ready to publish it yet, but that'll be coming up soon. 
you know, once the summer season slows down and we go into a period where the parks are a little slower, we're going to try to put together a website where they can, you know, get on and leave any questions or concerns. I always tell people in an emergency situation, 911 is still the appropriate call to make. We can handle some of those issues, but it's just better if you've got just to throw some situations out there. You know, if you need an ambulance, if you if you got somebody that's causing a problem, parties armed, whatever the case is, you know, any emergency calls like that, 911 will always be the correct call. Minor things. You see tents set up, you see dumping going on, you know, any problems like that, those are the things that we want to try to keep out of maybe the, the police department's radar so they can focus on more important things and we can get those quality of life and just park-related issues and handle those ourselves. Talking about the tents and everything, kind of segue into the transient issue is an extremely hot button issue right now all over the city's urban core. And we actually did a story a couple weeks back of a woman that lives over near 435 and 24 Highway who isn't allowed to have her grandkids at her house because of the transient issue under 435 and things like that. How are you addressing that and how can our citizens, our residents, get in touch with you quickly in regards to that to kind of address that transient issue because I mean it's it's huge and it's a subject of my editorial this week too so how walk us through what that looks like sure well the homelessness and transient issue is far beyond my capability to to completely solve we try to have empathy but basically we expect them to follow the same rules that everybody else is following you know just because you're homeless doesn't mean you you can't have access to the park you know they do have access to the park the things that that we look for that we try to discourage and one of those is setting up tent structures which is there's a city ordinance that doesn't allow and it's not just in the parks you know you can't set a tent structure on anybody's property without their permission so just one of the the rules within the park is that they don't allow tent structures to be set up. And of course, the parks are closed from midnight to 5 a.m. every day. Spending the night in the park is per city ordinance not allowed. You know, a lot of times we try to address the situations with the homeless, the tents, if we find them and they're injured or sick, you know, a lot of times they don't, they don't seek out ambulance care. So we'll, we'll find them and they're obviously sick and we call them an ambulance and we let them turn the ambulance down if they want. But that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to let them know that we're there, keep them not doing the things that we, we wouldn't let anybody else do. If they're sitting on a bench, if they're sleeping on a bench, there's really no action that we can take in that regard. So, you know, we just try to enforce the the two or three rules that we can. And again, you know, we try to be empathetic to their situation. A lot of times they'll have campsites built in the woods and stuff where you really don't see them, but you have to go in the woods to find them. Those are the types of things we'll, we'll tell them that, that that's not allowed, but we'll usually give them a, a time frame to get out or to move their stuff, you know, get their stuff that's important to them. And one of the other things we do is we've worked with the police department in getting social workers to them. You know, if I come across a homeless person, you know, I'll always say, do you need services or is there anything we can help you to get out of the situation you're in? And if they're agreeable to it, we try to set them up with the appropriate agency. But we do expect them to, you know, if I give them two days or a week or whatever the case is to get their stuff, pack up their tents and move out of the, the park area, we do follow up with that and make sure that they move along. I want to be clear for people because I know that we're having a lot of issues with the transient and you're completely right. The scope of the park ranger program does not have the capability to solve this problem. I mean, this issue, I mean, 
there's multiple moving parts to the transient issue. But from your program, you're talking about the two or three ordinances that can be enforced. Now, this is where I feel like there's a lot of gray area, what the police can enforce, what laws are there. You can't be arrested for being homeless. You can't be arrested for standing on a street corner for holding a sign. So you talked about you will enforce the ordinances that you can, which is no tent structure, no sleeping in the park between midnight and 5 a.m. Are there any other specific ones that can be called? Because what I don't want to happen is you do see someone sleeping on a bench that you're like, okay, this person is probably homeless. I'm going to call a park ranger. But again, I mean, he's allowed to have access to the park or she is allowed to have access to the park. So what are those specific ordinances that you can enforce in the parks? Well, you know, the the tent structures, uh, as you know, a lot of them, their campsites are usually not clean. They don't they don't do a good job of policing their area, keeping stuff cleaned up. So those are the the situations if we find a homeless person in a camp that's that's like that. We're going to try to be empathetic with them, give them some time to take care of their business, but we expect them to to, to clean up their area. So we want people to call if you see a homeless encampment or you see, uh, give an example, a lot of times they'll take a bench and they'll stretch a blanket over it and put sleeping pads down and, and all that. To me, that's a tent encampment. Although it's not technically a tent, it's still, they've set it up as a tent structure. Those are the types of things that we can do. You know, if we see somebody that's laying on a blanket sleeping and they're obviously homeless or we suspect that they're homeless you know we'll wake them up we'll check on them you know we try to make sure they're okay they don't need any medical care but you know during the day that's not really anything that we can make them move I mean we try to encourage them maybe to if we're getting calls on him or something like that we'll tell them hey we're getting calls on you people are concerned about you go find a bench to sit on or something just so we can not bother you and you're not giving anybody concern. And I understand having to balance the empathy versus Mm -hmm. the actual, hey, we need to enforce this ordinance. You know, you can't be here. The last time we talked, you mentioned your goal is to have the community feel safe in the parks and use the parks and be okay to walk the trails and things like that. You know, and I have a five-year-old daughter and, you know, there are some times in the parks in the area that I just don't want to go to because I don't feel safe or I don't feel, I'm scared of what she might step on, a broken beer bottle or something like that so I mean I understand you having to kind of balance those two the empathy and kind of having to enforce the ordinances and and I get the empathy as well I've been with Kansas City Police Department and their social workers going tramping through the woods on a number of different occasions last spring notwithstanding when the river was coming up one of the things that I wanted to kind of dovetail my question on is I know that you've got 200 plus parks to cover some of those are you know, pocket parks. Since you are teaming up or you're under the purview of parks, does that include anything along the boulevards as as an area of enforcement or area of operations as well? Because we do run into the, the, the tent structures being set up. Say, for example, Ninth and Paseo, Independence and Paseo is, is a huge issue right now. So can you speak a little bit to that? It's a city street, so I really want the police department to take care of those issues for, you know, just because I think most of the things that might happen along there, you know, accidents, that type of thing are really a police matter. But as far as the, like the grassy areas between the roads and on either side of the roads, yes, those are, those are areas that we will look at. And, you know, if there's any issue, park related issues we need to deal with, 
we will deal with those. Kind of talk a little bit about the growth of, of your program. Where do you see that going in terms of, I know you're going to have another hiring and looking for two other officers. Do you see that growing to the point where you've got your own dispatch system, kind of like fire or police or tied in with the police dispatch system? Or how, how does that I guess, org chart, for lack of a better term, how does that look? Right now, I've been authorized to hire five people, and I just thought the best way to deploy them was as rangers. I mean, I could take one of them and put them in the office and make them a dispatch, but I just thought it'd be more effective to get them out there. We do have radios. We have a dedicated park ranger frequency. That's just for us, but we do also have, we're connected with the security office with City Hall, so they man, they have a 24-hour control dispatch that we can contact. I'm really specific about the guys. When there's more than one of us out in the park, we communicate where we're at constantly. So if we go, if we're at one park, we'll say we're there. When we get to the other one, say that as well. So everybody knows where everybody is. I would like ultimately this program is successful and everybody's happy with it to when we do get to grow, I would like to move forward with that. Ultimately, I'd like to be able to have more effective way to contact PD when we, you know, when we come across something we need. Right now, the Rangers are all equipped with uh, cell phones, you know, Parks Department cell phones. So, you know, that's our main connection to the police right now. Going forward, yeah, we'd like to expand and improve in that area, definitely. I do want to talk a little bit about, I was at a recent neighborhood meeting and some of the residents were concerned about the fact that these rangers are armed and they are class A private officers. So I want to talk about maybe what their authority would be in the parks and going about their daily duties. And really, I think a lot of citizens and neighborhood residents are concerned about the fact that they're armed. So can you speak a little bit about that? The rangers being private officers, They've got the same authority as any other private officer on the property that they've been hired to protect. So on park property, they do have limited police powers. Um, They can apprehend. They can detain. In addition to that, I think I discussed this last time, but the city council uh, in the section on park rangers uh, that they approved also gave us authority to issue uh, summonses and a, a limited amount of traffic tickets, which are usually parking. I, th- I think the only type moving violations that they really gave us authority over are like trucks on the boulevard and stuff like that. Chapter 53, the section dealing with park rangers is in there now. I've, uh, they passed the ordinance and I think it was in November, but it took a while to actually see it on the in the computer when I was looking at it. But the last time I checked, it was there. You know, there licensed class a patrol agents uh, with the private officer commissioning office with police department so you know they're they're fully capable of handling most situations that come up in the park you know there will definitely be police matters and anytime if we come across a crime that has been committed then we will call the police department and they'll do their reporting and whatever investigating that needs to be done so we won't be getting involved in that. It's just a matter of patrolling, making sure that you know we see any city ordinance violations. If if we've been given authority to handle that particular violation, we will. Uh, if we don't, we'll call the police department and have them handle the situation. And that the the private officer certification that's that's not something that you just go in, take the test, qualify at the range, and walk away from. That's an ongoing certification that these officers have to have to maintain, much like a pilot's license or a Right. I know you've got to maintain that with the police department as well. So yes, at first, you know, when they go in, they they have to they get 
materials on the private officer program, what their authority is, what their limitations are, what the liabilities are. So when they go private officer the first time, they have to take a written test to prove that they understand that material. They go on, if they're going to be armed, they have to go through a annual training program. In addition to, they have to go to the police department and qualify annually. So it is an annual training and qualification that they go through. So I know, again, the last time we spoke, some of your goals were to number one, educate the public on park use. Um, and then enforcement of park-related city ordinances. Maybe tell us a little bit about how it's looked as far as how you're educating people on public park use or if you've been able, I know you're still in the hiring process and getting everybody together, um, but have you been able to do maybe some outreach on that? Well, I have gone to a couple of meetings with uh, some of the neighborhood associations. I think I've got a couple more scheduled. I have to look at my calendar and the particular names, but that's one thing we're going to expand once we are fully staffed. We're going to expect the rangers to go to these neighborhood associations and just give a basic introduction to the ranger program and just talk about some of the the issues that we see all the time, you know, just make sure people understand. The big thing is we just contact people in the park. You know, I encourage them to get out of the trucks, go talk to people, even if they're not doing anything wrong, just go up, say hello, talk to them, see if they have seen anything that needs to be addressed, you know, that type of situation. And then, of course, if they're doing something, you know, I mean, we've got the GOS and summons authority. We don't have the equipment yet. We're still working on that. But that's going to be an absolute last resort. We, that's not what we want to do. So, you know, we're, we're going to contact people. We, I mean, there are certain things. So if, you know, if I catch somebody dumping, you know, a truckload of material, well, that's probably not a warning situation. But dogs on a leash, uh, littering, parking on the grass, these are all things that kind of affect the quality of other people's experience in the park. And that's the type of thing we try to, you know, just educate people on. And, you know, we come across a lot of people that let their dogs, you know, roam at large when they're not in an off-leash park. And, and you know, the thing is, well, my dog's trained in this. We, we try to remind them, you know, there are some people that don't feel about dogs the same way you do. And you, you just need to remember that. And an experience, a funny experience that happened to me, I was at a park in the Northland and, and there was a dog just kind of running around. And so I was going to get out and ask the guy to, you know, say the law is you got to keep the dog on a leash. Well, I got out of the car, dog happily ran over to me and got mud all over my uniform. <laughs> so, you know, and I, and I just looked at the guy and I go, okay, now you know what I'm going to say to you, right? <laughs> so your dog may be friendly, your dog may be trained, but it's just one of those situations where it's just safer, makes people feel more comfortable when you keep your dog restrained. And we explain that to people. We just don't go up to them and say, this is law and you got to do it because that's the law. You know, we try to explain the reasoning behind it. We find a lot of vehicles parked on the grass and we just try to, you know, let them know. I, I know, you know, your particular vehicle may not be causing damage, but repeated use of that area, you know, people drive, that does eventually cause damage and dirt roads. You know, we'll find a lot of people on the grass and it's, the grass is wet and it's muddy and everything else and just having them move you can see the the damage they've created so we just try to let people know that the rules aren't there just to have rules you know there's reasons and and any damage like that that really costs a lot of money to fix they'll kind of say well you know starlight theater gets to park on the grass and well, they have an event permit, they've paid for that privilege, and they're also responsible for any damage. that, Like at the end of the season, they have to have somebody come in, 
fix the ruts, reseed, do all that stuff. So, yeah, yes, there are certain situations where they're allowed to park on the grass, but it's they're required to fix whatever damage they create. Um, is there anything else that you want to add that you think is important that I did not ask you today? Well, you know, I, I just want to encourage people to, you know, take advantage of their neighborhood parks. Uh, you know, when the more good people that are in parks, the less bad people that are in parks. And, um, you know, take responsibility for the park in your neighborhood. If you see something that's out of place or needs fixing or, you know, if you've got suspicious characters hanging out or whatever, please call us or the police department and we can make a difference. I mean, it's a large park system. We're, we're kind of limited on manpower. Hopefully in the future it'll increase. But right now, we really need help. You, know, you see those things, I promise to, to follow up on them. Okay. And then I know you said there's no direct line to the park ranger department. Um, again, the best way for people to contact the rangers would be calling 311, and that information will be relayed to you. Yes. Or during you know business hours, Monday through Friday, they can call the main parks department phone number. I will get that information as well. In the very near future, I promise to publish a number, and, and it'll be out there. Do you have a, a social media presence on Facebook or on the park rangers specifically do not? We will work towards that here in the future. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay. I appreciate your time and giving us a little update. It's my pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that was Jeff Hurley, park ranger supervisor. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Roscoe.